Getting used to things. That's what our show's all about. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. It's about never being used to anything. <laughs> Welcome to Active Discourse, the multi-platform technology podcast. I'm Brett, and I'm easily persuaded. I'm Bo, and I spend most of my time in outer space. And Active Discourse is no longer than 45 minutes, so let's get started. So I'm easily persuaded, and... Uh, closing the Bing arc of our show, at least for now, I decided <laughs> to give Bing a shot recently just because, you know, you get five bucks every so often. I think since uh, July 2019, you, last time we spoke, you said that you had like about $35 worth of Amazon gift cards that you've earned. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Um, so I have moved my work computer over to Bing. Uh that's the one that I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm more or less testing it. I guess I probably use Bing slash Google a little bit more on my personal computers, more so than work. But I don't know. I use Edge at work. I might as well use Bing at yeah. work. Yeah. So. Might as well hop on that whole Microsoft train. I have earned 200 points in about three or four days. Is that good? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're, yeah, I haven't really, I don't really keep track on a, on a micro scale. I just know that every so often I get up to 5,000 or so and I get a, I get a gift card. So it's 5,000 <laughs> that equates to a $5 gift card. I, uh, yeah, I think it, well, originally, yes, I think it was 5,000 even. I believe they upped it to 5,250. Oh, uh, a couple years ago. I just got to yeah. get you ever so less money that they're paying out to you so anyway i haven't noticed too much of a difference actually which is a little surprising i think the biggest difference is just the fact that it doesn't look like google like i'm a little sensitive to ui changes and every single time when i wasn't expecting bing and got bing it kind of just looked i mean you remember back in the day with yahoo how like trashy yahoo looked before it was yeah um, defunct Bing looks better than Yahoo, but it definitely has that effect of eh, it's not Google. Yeah, not all, and actually, it's funny enough. It it looks a lot like Google. It's just that Google itself has done a lot of changes over time. True, it doesn't look like the tr- the original kind of traditional Google that we all kind of remember. But because it's been these incremental changes over time, we've all just kind of gotten used to it. Because Bing, Bing, really it. It just looks like a search page. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's right. nothing, uh, you know, they have their video results and image results, which are their own thing and that have some features. But like, basically, if you're searching in the normal kind of all section, it, it looks like a search engine. Yep. 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 Nothing too crazy. So. But yeah, definitely. I, I kind of had the same uh, uh, context switch whenever I would end up on Bing and wasn't expecting it. It's it's a little strange. Yeah. Alrighty, so I've I've given it a shot on work. I might give it a shot on iPhone, on personal computer uh, in the future, possibly soon, just so I can possibly gain more points because, I don't know, free money. So, sounds good. Yeah, yep. I think you get more maybe if you use mobile or, I don't know. I, and there's yeah. like quizzes and stuff you can take, but I just, I just do the searches. I did take a quiz. Yeah. It asked me a lot of questions and it was fine <laughs> they they were asking me about what countries uh used the franc for currency it was a bunch of 
African countries where I was asking, does this, does Swaziland or Belgium use the franc? Well, I don't know. Uh, Google, what do you say? (laughs) (laughs) You use one search engine to answer the quizzes on another search engine? For what it's worth, I did actually use Bing to search the questions, so I just opened another tab. Actually, I used the same tab, but I don't really know what they were trying to get out of me for that. Like, all I did was Google search, like, I I set up a, a default query, which is what currency does Swaziland use? And then just changed out the country whenever it asked me a question. And then basically the top result always was they have Swazi dollars or they have francs. And then I'm like, all right. Swaziland doesn't have Swazi dollars doesn't exist by the way I lied to you that I would that was my next question is is Swazi dollars real Swazi dollars are not real uh but francs bummer for Swaziland I believe does use francs if I'm remembering it correctly and yeah okay well if there's anyone from Swaziland listening and you can you know we're getting your currency wrong you feel free to correct us and we are sorry (laughs) deeply deeply sorry I apologize immediately (laughs) Anyway, yeah. um, that's all I got on Bing. So uh, next up on follow-up, I, I want you to start with a backstory because you say that you have a three-month trial to Apple TV. And how do you have that? Okay, so this ties into another piece of follow-up that I'll have a little bit later. So I got a new TV that we talked about in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Vizio TV. I got it from Best Buy. And... Uh, I got an email one day from Best Buy saying, here's a free, here's a three-month trial for uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Hey, and I okay. had no idea it was coming and didn't really know what to expect, but yeah. just kind of signed up, started checking stuff out. Okay. All right. Yeah, Best Buy's been doing that a lot. They have a like Apple Fitness trial for free if you buy an Apple Watch. I think if you buy any mm. Apple product, you get Apple Music, so I wouldn't be surprised if you'll see that eventually. So... I've I've used it for let's see how I I did text you when I got it it was probably a couple weeks ago now yeah so I've been using it for a bit I've gotten through almost the first two seasons of For All Mankind uh, so I think I only have a couple episodes left so the the content is okay for now really I've only watched For All Mankind but mm-hmm. it's incredible for the record yeah but I'll have to see if they keep up with me right now I'm really only interested in in their launch titles they've got for all mankind c morning show those are the ones that i've got on the list right now for all mankind is amazing but you know i have to keep in mind that like it's a sony pictures show which a lot of my other favorites are so it's not so much about apple tv plus the service it's like Okay, Sony Pictures produced Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Sneaky Pete and The Boys, and those are all like some of my favorite shows. Yeah. But they're on different services. Right. So a lot of it's the production team and the company that made it more so than the distributor. But still. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's great. But I am also looking forward to Foundation, which is a Uh show based on the Isaac Asimov book series. Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for that, I think, back in August last year, or maybe it was a while back. It does look pretty cool. It's been a long time coming. I know that the pandemic delayed the release of that one pretty bad. So that's going to be fun. Do you know when that one's coming out? It says sometime in 2021. There's yeah. no specific date yet, which right. is unfortunate. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep an eye out for that because I'm really excited for it. 
Uh, other than the shows, other than the content, yeah. yeah, the UX and the service is just kind of awful and bad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The so I started looking through, and I started off. I kind of added the titles I mentioned earlier. The, they're kind of originals. I added those to my list, and then I started looking at other things. The vast majority of titles that I thought would be interesting, and I started looking at and clicking on, they're not included with Apple TV Plus. Oh, they require right. some other subscription or rental or purchase, and there's no way to filter them out. Yep. So. Yep. I was just being constantly disappointed because I'd have to pay more to watch the like basically everything I clicked on. The UI is the UI is garbage. It it's totally garbage because the thing is most it's people bad. Yeah. Most people who go to Apple TV plus or who go to Apple TV are expecting Apple TV plus content. And I believe it's not even the primary tab. Like when you load it, if you've never loaded it before, it goes to just everything else. So you have to find Apple TV Plus within the Apple TV app. Ugh. Yeah. And and logging in was really confusing, too. It was oh, like really? the whole flow of everything was just bad. And it's like, yeah. did anyone even use this after they implemented it? Like, is anyone paying attention? Because yeah. the whole thing is just, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's not aesthetically all that bad. It's just blah. It's right. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, there's just nothing impressive about it, right. and it just kind of sucks to use. There's also a really annoying bug that anytime I tried to fast forward or reverse, there was like roughly a 75% chance that the whole show would just start over from the start, from the top. Uh, yeah. So that really sucks. <laughs> that is strange. No kidding. Yeah. On the plus side, it does have a skip intro button, which, yep. you know, too many streaming services screw up. Specifically, I'm looking at Voodoo mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, you know, and Voodoo is kind of in a separate thing because they're more like a place where you can buy digital content. Yeah. But I have, I own Mad Men on Voodoo because I mm. wanted it, I wanted to own it after it left Netflix. Yeah. And Voodoo is terrible for binge watching, by the way, because... <laughs> In between every single Mad Men episode, it inserts these like little five minute inside the episode things. And so it plays those in between the episodes. So like you're getting these like behind the scenes cast member interviews. I just want to watch the show. So it like takes me out of the flow when I see John Hamm acting like John Hamm and not Don Draper. (laughs) Right, right. Is that part of the bundle that you bought? Or is that a voodoo? Yeah, I got feature? yeah that uh, that collection that I showed you okay. um, that came with the the whiskey glasses. Yeah, the it uh, came with the digital edition. Oh, that's so cool. I can get it on voodoo. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So at least Apple TV gets that right. They have a skip intro button that helps. Do they also have a skip recap button as well? Yep, they have skip recap and skip intro. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For from my experience, I've been using it on the Apple TV it's as expected um i don't run into that same bug you're running into but um yeah the the skip intro and skip recap works 100 percent of the time every time as i would mm-hmm. expect from a first party product so yeah yep uh so that's all i really have on apple tv but we can continue to talk about that once i catch up on some more content uh i'm almost yeah. done with for all mankind but i i caught up to them so now i have to wait 
for new episodes mm. every week like mm-hmm. a dope <laughs> <laughs> we should talk in a couple months after your uh subscription is done and try to figure out whether or not you're going to renew or not mm-hmm. because so i've never paid a dollar for apple tv plus when they launched it a couple years back when they launched it they said by the way if you buy an apple product you get a year's worth of content for free from apple tv and i happened mm-hmm. to buy a mac mini in november 2019 and November 2019 is when I activated it. I watched, binged all the shows. And, you know, 2020 wasn't exactly a great year. And Apple didn't really get all the content that they were probably expecting. And so uh, over the course of the end of 2020, they had this dance where they're like, so we're going to extend the free trial. If you have an active free trial, it's now going to go until the end of February. And then, what, January rolled around 2021 and they're like, we still don't have a lot. <laughs> so um, it's going to go until July 2021. And oh, wow. I think that that's actually going to be the date in which people will have to start paying for it because Apple has moved up the release of a few shows, one in which is Ted Lasso Season 2 which is a amazing show that you absolutely need to watch. And so they're going to release Ted Lasso season two. I think it's up there with For All Mankind for being one of the most popular shows on the platform. And so if they you know, cancel the free subscription in July 2021, it would kind of make sense that they'd say, by the way, if you pay us $5, you can see all of Ted Lasso season two. So... Ah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's how it goes but who knows maybe they'll extend it again and I get more free content hell yeah let's do it that's a hell of an extension that's that's pretty cool yeah I'll be pretty close to almost two whole years of free Apple TV it's as you can tell there's not really a ton (laughs) how generous yeah there's not a ton on there so it's not like I have hardly used it it's a good service we'll talk more about it later yeah it's really gonna depend on how they keep up with content and really they're gonna have to improve the interface yeah they have to it's just not good yeah. right now i'm i'm nervous about that though because apple has not been good at updating terrible uis itunes specifically is a th- sore thumb it yeah, for languished <laughs> for a long time and the way they solved it was by killing it ah the google strategy right right but i don't know they replaced it with apple music apple music on the phone is fine apple music on the mac is a reskinned iTunes. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't really actually trust them to update the Apple TV Plus interface. So I don't I don't know. Yeah. I'm not positive that they're going to make any major changes anytime soon. But we'll see, I guess. Yep, that's definitely going to have to yeah. be a kick the can down the road kind of yeah. a conversation. We'll see how they do. I have high hopes because so far they have some interesting shows, yeah. but they're going to need to keep up with their competitors, obviously. So tell me more about your TV. Yeah, kind of on the same note, the uh, Vizio TV that I got. How's it going? Uh, so when we talked about it in the original episode, I said it's a, it's a great TV. It looks awesome. 4K is amazing. Uh, HDR is amazing. Lots of things are amazing. Um, and you were a little bit worried about reliability. Because it's smart TV, so if the smarts aren't smart enough and this thing goes Algernon on us, um, <laughs> it, it's bunk, right? Yeah. 
you see how I threw a, a reference to Flowers for Algernon in there? For yeah, just want to throw that out there for people who don't know who Algernon is. <laughs> I I appreciate the reference. I do not understand, and I'm sitting here with my glass of whiskey and confused. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to check out. It's a book called Flowers for Algernon. So check that one out. Wow, it's a book reference. Nice, man. Those are rare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back on topic. Great. Anyway, uh, so. Unfortunately, it does seem like the TV is a little buggy. I still have to learn more about this, but some like a, a few times it's like frozen up. And one time it was like the remote, like the whole thing kind of froze, and then the remote seemed to catch up on all the inputs we were putting in there while it was trying to get moving. Okay. And then suddenly all the commands started kicking in at once, and the volume started going up to max on the receiver. Oh. Luckily, nothing was playing, so we didn't blow out our eardrums or wake up the neighbors (laughs) or anything. But and I I I don't know if it's the Netflix app or not because we use that the most. So odds are just good that it would happen while we're using Netflix. But it hasn't really come up while we're using anything else. So I don't know if it's like the Netflix app is crappy on Vizio and it's just like a memory leak or something that's crashing the TV. Just tonight we were running into this and like we just couldn't get the thing to do what we wanted. And eventually I did get it back to the home screen, which it had to load. And it took, I don't know, probably 30 seconds once it finally told me it was loading the home screen. And then I went Mm -hmm. into the settings and rebooted and I'm hoping that does something. But I'm definitely going to call Vizio because this is just not as reliable as I'd hoped. Sure. Okay. And, uh... I, I hope they're not depending on me to haul this thing out of here because they're this, this is a seventy five inch TV. They're coming to me. <laughs> you're you're thinking of returning it as this? Not Which returning, is... but if they need to service it or something, or if they want to replace oh, it, because I'm not taking this thing anywhere. <laughs> yeah, this oh, is on man. you. <sighs> Interesting, wild. Yeah, that's ooh, you're scaring me, man. You're yeah, scaring so me. it it still needs to. I still uh, need to know more about it, and I'm gonna call them. For now, I still like the TV, but I, I'm going to want to hear some good things from them. Here's what I'm just scared of is the fact that it seems like the canned answer for a smartphone or uh, Xbox would be, oh, just factory reset. That should fix the problem. And then you yeah, do right. that, and then you find yourself in a boot loop with customer service where you're saying, I just re- reset it. Like, yeah, but did you install anything on it? Well, yeah, of course. I need Netflix. Uninstall Netflix. <laughs> like... Well, see, here's the here's uh, the thing: is like you you don't install or uninstall any apps on the Vizio; they're just there. Okay. Like you start up the TV, and there's like a row of like a thousand apps, <laughs> and none of them like have an install button or anything. It's just you click it, and it opens. See if you plug in the just for kicks and giggles, since you have that Google TV box, plug in the Google TV box and try to use that as your primary source of input. See if the issue happens with that. That was going to be our next move is just to try to use it as a dumb screen, even if it really isn't, and just try to bypass their whole, what they call smart cast, their home screen, uh, and just see if that, you know, if we can use it that way. Because I do like the Google TV, so, yeah. you know, if that's reliable and I can use the TV as a dumb screen, that'll be fine. The one thing I'll have to look into is if Apple TV is on the Google TV. Yes, it is. It is? Okay, that because that was one of the things I wasn't sure about. But if, if all the apps I'm using are on the Google TV, then uh, we're good. They really desperately want everyone to use 
uh, Apple TV Plus. They they have it on everything. Yeah. Like they have it on Samsungs. They have it on WebOS. Yeah, that's they have it on smart. Android. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I found it on Xbox too. Yeah, Xbox. I think they have it on PlayStation. Yeah. So my other input on that is uh, with the Google TV. If you can try to get the, I I don't know if Google has this function, but if you can adjust the volume with the remote that came with your Google TV, that would be key as well. Um, we can. Yep. Then that would try to figure out how to enable that so that you can forego the remote entirely for the Vizio. I think we could because uh, when we picked up the Google TV, we might have talked about this in the original episode when we talked about this Google TV. I was really happy actually and and Stephanie was really happy too because it was like the first time that I bought a piece of tech that simplified her life. Nice. Instead of making it more complicated. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because we could use one remote to control everything. Uh, So that's all I kind of have on the Vizio right now. I'm going to be very curious to hear more about that again in the next episode. So cool. And uh, last point of follow-up for me, I have begun my smart light journey. I'm so excited. Yeah, I picked up uh, a couple Philips Hue accent lights. I think they're called bars, play bars. Yes, those are great. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so I got them facing the wall behind my monitors just for accent mm-hmm. lighting. Mm-hmm. I kind of got them because I wanted more light in the office because yep. it's kind of dark in here. Our apartment doesn't have overhead lighting like yep. in any mm-hmm. room. It's mm-hmm. just like in the dining room with the ceiling fan. That's it. Uh, and and the bathrooms. So I picked up these to try to make it brighter in here, but um, they've kind of turned into accent lights. So I think I'm going to pick up a couple more, which ties yep. into the other thing I bought from Philips which is these tap switches. Do you know about these? I vaguely know about them. Tell me more about them. So our, our apartment, like I said, has no overhead lighting. So we have uh, switches on the wall that just control the outlets. And then like it's up to you to plug in a lamp yep. that is in that outlet that gets turned on by the switch. So that's kind of what we've been doing. But it's really dark in most of our rooms because we don't have a light in the middle of the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get a single switch that could control multiple lights and this phillips tap switch does that so it actually has the whole thing is a button and then it has three buttons on its face and you can configure that in the app to control your lights however you want nice so it does that but the bonus is that it doesn't even require batteries pretty cool that's it's powered by kinetic energy just just you hitting that button is enough to do what it needs to do that's it yeah that's that's wild that is wild i have one of those uh the previous generation where it required like a little coin battery i don't think i've ever had to replace the coin battery but yeah the the switch is really quite nice for just general usage if you don't want to tell your phone to turn on the lights in the office it's it's a great thing to put at the doorway just to be like boom lights yeah, that was that was one of the things because I I liked the lights, but I was having to go on my phone to to turn them on and off and change things. So this this tap switch is really cool because I I basically have four different settings with different buttons that I can hit. So it's it's super cool. Yeah. So I'm gonna pick up a bunch of bulbs and get them into the lamps in the office, and then I got two of these switches, so I'm gonna do the same thing to the bedroom so that I can just go into the office and hit one button to turn everything on because I like it to be you know, bright and happy in the room and it's just too dark and gloomy right now. Right. That makes sense. 
Oh, yes. I also look forward to talking to you more about that when you have those. One thing I want to throw out there, by the way, those play bars, you can use those for anything. Just because they're supposed to be accent lights doesn't necessarily mean you have to exclusively use them for accent lights. I have that same set that you have, and I actually set it at the top of my headboard. And yeah, we... um. What was really, really cool about that is that you can turn on an automation with the play bar where it turns on slowly uh, as the sun rises or at a certain time, for example. And that was super helpful in the winter. A good way to wake up is when there's light outside. And so by naturally having it basically turn on slowly but surely over the course of 30 minutes, it's a really easy uh, way to wake up. It's really nice it's really really nice they also get wicked bright as well by the way yeah they do get pretty bright but they're not they're not very diffused so it's pretty concentrated bright light which is why i kind of turned them into accents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah night those i love those things i will probably buy more of those as well when uh when i have a house again so yeah they're great (laughs) yeah i look forward to talking to you more about home automation because the next thing that you get to do is basically turn on like fun little automations when you arrive home you can have all your lights turn on for you and then you can just speak into the air and say turn off the lights in the living room and it just handles it all for you as you're walking to your bedroom it's 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 pretty cool so yeah yeah i'm looking forward to playing around with some of that stuff once i got more of these so uh, the last episode we talked about uh the confusing naming for sony's high-end cameras and specifically the naming comes around the a7r line where there's a currently a three and a four available whereas there's an s3 available and an s2 available just the numbers are all kind of funny and uh just in the last like two days uh sony decided to re-release the sony a7R3 and Sony A7R4 lines with a suffix of A. So it's now the Sony A7R3A and Sony A7R4A. And they made (laughs) very minimal to no updates. And what I'm really, really hoping is Sony totally discontinues the non-A versions because that'd just be ridiculous. But you know who knows anyway from what i can tell it only has a high resolution screen and then it also comes with support for usb 3.25 gigabytes which by the way this is the last time we'll probably talk about usb specs for a little while at least usb 3.25 gigabits is the same as the previous spec from the non-a line which is usb 3.1 gen 1 which also had five gigabytes so <laughs> gotta love it i this is just one last plug that whatever the usb consortium did in july 2017 was terrible because every <laughs> every place that i'm seeing report this these new sony lines are saying hey it has usb 3.2 now but if you really really look at it it's no different it's literally no different because usb 3.1 gen 1 was renamed to be 3.2 gen 1 which is what it now has. So one Uh, equals one. That means it hasn't changed. So (laughs) if you guys want to hear more about us ranting about this very topic, we have an accessories episode where we touched on this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was dumb. So, (laughs) Oh my God. 
boy, oh boy, I I look forward to the world of USB four where theoretically this issue doesn't arise, but who knows? I I don't trust that USB consortium to not screw up USB four in some way, shape, or form. So even if they get it right the first time, there's always the possibility that they retroactively rename it to be bad again. I can't believe they <laughs> retroactively named it. Like that's wild. Why would you re- retroactively? <laughs> get rid of 3.1 they effectively did that there's no such thing as 3.1 now there's 3.2 gen (laughs) 1 which used to be 3.1 what's the point call it (laughs) 3.1 so bad but before we get totally derailed again by this this topic (laughs) let's move on yep okay another (laughs) thing that i mentioned in the previous episode which just i idly mentioned it um one fun thing with these uh, high-end cameras is the fact that the way you upgrade is not necessarily upgrading the body, but upgrading your lens set. And these lenses can last for years and years and years. Like, a one lens that I'm using, I'm using from, like, I think it's, like, 1985. I was born in 1991, by the way. So I'm using a lens that's older than me that's been adapted to be used on my, uh, you know, 2020 camera. And it's amazing. So... Investing in lenses is a really, really great way to have fun with this photography hobby. But when you aren't sure about what lens to buy, you could buy it from like Best Buy or whatever. But if uh, you find it, buy it, and you say, eh, I don't really want to hi- keep it anymore, typically these companies charge a restocking fee. So Best Buy, I think, specifically charges like a 15 to 25% restocking fee. Many of these lenses are multiple thousands of dollars, but uh, any any lens that I'd be buying, I'd be looking at between like five hundred to fifteen hundred at the probably most. So a twenty five percent restocking fee on a five hundred dollar lens is nothing I want to endure. So yeah. I want to know if I want the lens before I buy it. And uh, one fun way to do that, um, I found a company called LensRentals dot com where you can. I, so I'm renting a twelve hundred dollar lens for like sixty bucks this weekend. I'm going to uh, the Sequoia National Park. Um, they're renowned for their absolutely gigantic trees, and so I wanted to get a a kind of unique lens to get that photo, so that I can actually get these trees in in shot if at all possible. So. Um, in the yeah. show notes here, I have a photo, and I'll put this in the um, in the show notes as well. Um, just an example of kind of what an ultra wide camera looks like. I have a photo of my cat because she's my favorite model, and yeah, it it's kind of has a wild distortion effect where she's pretty big, but she, you know she's a small cat, and you can kind of just see the background just kind of fade away into infinity, and it's. Uh, this style lens is really, really freaking cool, and I'm so excited to try it out this weekend. So yeah, that's gonna have some great shots. Yeah, these this lens is really, really, really cool. Looking forward to seeing Sequoia in all its glory. Uh huh. Um, so the main topic for today, um, other than the grab bag of follow up that we've had, is we wanted to talk about um the loss of LG's smartphone division. LG isn't going anywhere; they're still going to make all of your washers and dryers that you want them to. Also, they'll still make your TVs, so they're still around. But one quick thing that I want to shout out at the very beginning here, which is uh, Mark has Brownlee. Uh, on YouTube did a really, really good job recapping kind of the uh, brief history of LG's experience in the phone market, his experience reviewing them, and his his understanding of why they aren't really continuing anymore. He did a really great job reviewing it. And so uh, link in the show notes below for 
you know, what he talked about. But I think the big point that I want to start off with here is the fact that they're pioneers and they came up with a lot of, they were the first to bring out some of the biggest features that we actually still have in our phones today. So a capacitive touchscreen, they were the first one to have a capacitive touchscreen in their phone. Um, The current crop of high resolution screens, um, they were also the first one to have multiple cameras in addition to also having ultra wide cameras. I just talked about an ultra wide camera that I'm excited about having on my uh, Sony camera. You now have one on your phone, most likely, because of LG. So it's an interesting loss because they did a lot of really good stuff. But the thing is, just because they were first doesn't necessarily mean that their products were easy to recommend. Yeah, they they definitely were were good in the days of feature phones. They had their kind of day in the sun. They just, it didn't seem like they adapted well to the smartphone era. You know, they brought like you said, a ton of stuff to the table, but they never really executed it particularly well. Um, reliability just seems like it's always been an issue. Boot loops, it was like they became a standard feature with a lot of LG <laughs> yeah. phones. Yeah. But it, it still, it's a it sucks to lose a competitor in in the industry when things seem like they're homogenizing a little bit. You know, it, mm-hmm. it really seems like LG, if, if they could have recaptured that lightning in the bottle that was like the Nexus 4 or actually executed well the stuff that they had with the the G Flex. You remember that one where it was yeah. like the whole phone could flex, the battery, the motherboard. Yeah, that was wild. And it like had like a self-healing back. Like if they could have just actually executed that stuff really well, you know, they they could have they could have been a, a bigger deal. They maybe would be sticking around today. And my background with LG, I actually had a lot of LG phones back in high school. I, I quite liked LG a lot, uh, and they're actually partially the reason why I'm as tech-savvy, nerdy as I am today, because of the fact that uh, back in high school, I I had a Sony Ericsson phone, and it wasn't great. During the peak of the Razer days, it was about twice as thick as the Razer. It was ugly and clunky and uh, maybe a little nostalgic for it, but, you know, anyway, I'm nostalgic for everything, I guess. Um, Always. Yeah, so... Uh, somehow I got in my head that I had influence over what next phone I got. And so I got that in my head and I wanted to do research. I wanted to get something different. Um, I did like the Zune after all. And so I I like different things. And so I wanted to find something different. I didn't want to get the Razer. I wanted to get something different. And uh, I, fig- I found the LG Chocolate at the time. And at the time, it was a pretty neat phone. It was a slider. Sliders were starting to become more of a thing. And this is essentially where I learned how to use Google because I was using Google to research uh, what people thought of the chocolate. Is this actually a good phone? Should I consider this? And then I figured out that there's going to be a second generation of it. And then I read all of the rumors about the second generation of it, that I was going to have a click wheel similar to the uh, iPod. Um, I was going to have a refreshed UI. I was going to have a better speaker system. uh, And it was relatively affordable. And so I focused in on this. And I do basically almost all the same research today that I kind of did back then with in in looking into new products. I looked up reviews, looked up rumors, looked up everything. And it was a formative time for me. And it created essentially who I am today. And so I'm nostalgic for that because of the fact that if I didn't know that I had the option to buy my own phone and influence and make the decision of my family to switch to a different carrier to get this. I don't know where I would be, honestly, because I figured out a lot about myself at that point. Um, I did similar things uh, 
with the LG Envy Touch, uh, which was my last non-smartphone um, at the end of high school. And I'm nostalgic for it because the products that they had back then were amazing. And it's the last piece of nostalgia that I want to share here is that uh, Mr. Mobile, another YouTuber, uh, put together a really, really good uh, retrospective of all the unique devices that LG made over the course of time and kind of recapped, you know, similar to what I just said there. Like I found the LG Chocolate extremely unique. Mr. Mobile talked about almost all the unique devices that LG released over their 20-year period in the smartphone industry. And he did a really, really good job uh, putting together that nostalgia trip. So answering uh, Marquez's question at the end of his episode, though, it which is, you know, who benefits from the lack of LG? And my expectation is Samsung benefits from the lack of LG, at least in the US. Yeah. Elsewhere in the world, I think Xiaomi, OnePlus, Motorola, Samsung, etc. It's going to be a little bit more of a hot market to take over that LG leaves. But in the US, it's going to be Samsung. That It's no coincidence that literally after they announced that, Samsung announced that they're bringing like a huge slew of Galaxy A phones to the US. And that's exclusively to ben- or to target the lack of uh, LG phones that are no longer going to be in pre Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to try to fill that void. Very much so. Yeah, uh, it's I, I totally agree that the lack of innovation is a shame, but I think we will, uh, someone else will come around and come up with some weird stuff again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there, there was some stuff that we were talking about recently. Like they had the rolling phone concept. So it, yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily the innovation that they were lacking. It was, I guess it was their follow-up. They just, they couldn't right. uh, keep the ball rolling. They, they uh, actually were the only alternative to Samsung for phones with magnetic strip compatible payment technology functionally it's the same but they technically use different technology it's uh wmc versus mst um their own kind of re-implementation because i'm sure otherwise they would have gotten sued (laughs) so that was that was actually on the table for me just up until a few months ago when we were talking about samsung removing mst from the the newest galaxy phone when do you get your uh replacement for that you know they said april but i have actually no idea okay because i was just looking into it the other day and i have no clue okay (laughs) so who knows okay that's this is going well (laughs) yeah all right (laughs) from what i remember you can't really make a decision about your next phone until you know whether or not you can rely on that new mst technology though yeah and it's I don't know. It's just like what something's got to give. The U.S. has to get on board with NFC payments and get off magnetic strips. It's it like all these payment payment things. They they got to get on board with this. We're so far behind that like I shouldn't. This shouldn't even have to be an issue for me in buying a phone. You know the the way I pay with something has suddenly become tied to the phone that I'm gonna get, and that's so weird (laughs) i guess i mean for what it's worth it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be but it was so easy to just walk up to anything any terminal no matter what kind it was and to be able to pay with it because it worked on magnetic strips it worked with the nfc's it was it worked with any kind of pretty much payment term terminal that there was so it's it's just a huge bummer that i'm losing that functionality with basically zero 
gain and zero alternative. Right. So to lose LG, who is the only other one who had it, that's another uh, kind of thorn in my side in the the loss of LG. It's not sure. that they particularly, you know, I never had an LG phone. I never <laughs> gave them anything to entice them to stick around or anything. Right, right. But at the same time, it feels like I'm losing the only other option that I might have had for some of the things that I would have been looking for. All right. Uh, we could go into that for a while, but you're not really close to buying a new phone, right? I'm just keeping uh, hand new. on that pulse. Nope. All right, cool. Because I don't want to miss it when you buy your new phone. I'm excited. <laughs> yep. I When I'm buying it, I will, uh, like, if it's in store, I'll be live streaming the whole thing so you can watch <laughs> me watch me buy it. <laughs> I want to interview the sales rep that you work with. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, closing out this episode, what uh, picks do we got? Uh, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Uh, my pick is uh, an Italian composer. His name is... Uh, Ludovico Inaudi. I hope I'm getting that right. He's a composer that I first heard in an episode of Cosmos, uh, season three, episode eight, in case you're curious. Uh, Sacrifice of Cassini. It was about the Cassini probe. And it played while they were doing this whole like montage of the Cassini probe doing its final dive into Saturn's atmosphere. And I swear to God, like, it was, like, making me cry about a robot. It was so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, not not for real crying, but it was, like, it just sucked me in as soon as this song started playing. And it was it was a song called Experience. So I, I started looking into it, like, immediately I was, like, checking what this song is and found it and checked out the... It's on a studio album, actually. And Audi has a a bunch of studio albums, but there's one called In a Time Lapse, which is the one that Experience is on. And I've always been a a big fan of dramatic film scores. So Hans Zimmer, Clint Mansell, Alan Silvestri. I've always been a big fan of all their film scores, and and Audi just fits right in with them. I'm all over this album In a Time Lapse, and it's just, it's, it puts me through it. You know, it's, it's such a awesome journey. It's, incredible the the music that this guy creates i don't have any experience with this kind of thing but i will definitely be listening to it and throw it on on my next uh programming session and see how i feel about it it's on it seems like it would be a pretty good uh background music for something like that right yeah for sure it's some of it is like some of it uh, like i said is kind of dramatic but some of it also is just I guess most film scores are, you know, there's no lyrics, so it's yeah. it's not uh, something you have to kind of actively listen to. You can put them on in the background, but yeah. um, it's one of those, it's one of these kind of few albums and, and and things where I can just put on the headphones and I could like sit in a dark room and just sit there for an hour, nice, <laughs> just just listening to it. All right, so my pick for this time is timed with your Apple TV Plus trial in that obviously you're probably looking for more shows on apple tv plus to watch and i'm going to recommend something but this is kind of funny because i actually haven't seen it myself but i think you're going to like it regardless uh two reasons why i think you're going to like it regardless and two reasons why i personally am going to watch it probably within the next couple weeks um i've heard it's incredible and um it's a short series it's 
uh, I think one season, several episodes, and it's from what I understand, it's not supposed to continue. And so it's just a glimpse into what you can expect from Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it also has a ton of very famous people in it as well and very good actors. So um, definitely something you should check out uh, during the uh, three-month trial. And you should also you know, check out the trailer first, maybe just to see if it's indeed something you're interested in, but a uh, trailer will be in the show notes as well. So, yeah, no, actually I just checked out the Wikipedia and I, I knew about this cause I think I heard that, uh, Chris Evans was in here. Yes. Main character. Yeah. I was just checking it out and I, I, I guess I was under the impression that it was based on a true story, but it, it isn't right. That I don't know. Cause I, it looks like it's based on a, it looks like it's based on a book from 2012 and i don't see anything Mm. here that it's based on a true story and i would expect that to be at the top in wikipedia agreed i was kind of under the impression that it was i thought it was a true story kind of um like dramatic documentary type of thing or something i have no idea why (laughs) yeah um but actually now that i'm looking at it it sounds really good yeah so i'll definitely check that out there's a lot more on apple tv as well that's pretty pretty cool but you know we can talk about that offline so and thank you for listening um if you'd like to share any feedback questions or topic suggestions feel free to reach out to us on twitter we are at active discourse and until next time uh stay safe see you in the next one bye